Hey there, welcome back to the Protect Your Peace podcast. I'm your host, Najee Robbins, a yoga teacher, writer, educator, and former birth doula based in Michigan. And this is part three of our exploration of restorative yoga. Today, I will share a bit more about learning to center comfort and the third and final learning curve, which is the now what. So let's get started. Part of the reason as to why I am devoting three full episodes to restorative yoga is A, because brevity is not necessarily my strong suit. If I do have to be brief, I will be brief. But within the context of this podcast, it's not necessarily my aim. Hopefully that's okay with you. If you're here, my assumption is that it is. But truly, part of why I really wanted to dig into restorative yoga is not just because it is the main style of practice in which I teach nowadays and and also something that I've centered a lot more in my personal practice. It's It's in large part because it's a big reminder that rest is a practice and that there are access points to it. There are spaces, there are classrooms, there are approaches to to the body that really center support and rest. And having those access points and those spaces where we can feel encouraged right? As I'm talking about these learning curves, as I'm talking about kind of that paradigm shift of of comfort, I think it's really important that we have spaces where we feel encouraged to really prioritize supporting ourselves, to really prioritize providing our body and the other parts of ourselves that we can't necessarily like touch and see with a sense of safety and support. And I think the practice piece is really important, right? A space in which in which you can you can practice and be within the context of everything that practice represents is really critical because it really helps to decenter this idea that it has to be perfect that it has to be exactly the same every single time. I really love the way that the writer and activist Alexis Pauline Gums talks about practice. And when she talks about practice, she talks about the grace of practice, the self-compassion required to explore any practice, the generosity of practice. And so... As we dive into these final learning curves, let all of this just continue to be a reminder that all of this is practice. It's not an aim towards mastery or perfection. It's not something to just check off the list that we're never going to circle back to. To center rest in cultures in which Caring for ourselves and one another is not centralized, requires resisting the status quo, and it requires being within the grace of practice, offering ourselves the generosity of a space to really practice those things imperfectly and maybe stumble a little bit and and retool and rework our relationship with caring for ourselves with giving ourselves permission to feel comfortable and supported and safe. So with that said, please make sure you have some hydration nearby, maybe a snack, maybe you're eating, maybe you're out in the world walking amongst nature. Maybe you need a couple of mindful breaths before we continue this conversation about comfort and the third learning curve of the now what, take this little break to offer yourself something you need to feel a little more supported and cared for. 
of the really big things that restorative yoga has helped me get a lot more familiar with is what my body and my system needs in order to feel supported and also what that feels like. So learning what helps your body to feel comfortable physically, paying attention to how you know when you're feeling relaxed and kind of asking yourself, what, what does that feel like in my body? How, how do I identify when I'm at ease, when I feel comfortable? Or what does the state and the experience of rest feel like in your body? How do you know that you've rested? Those are really important questions that I think are not always answered through just like thinking about them really hard. I think the answers to those questions very much can arise in our experiences and starting to connect what sensations we're feeling or even sensations that that we're not feeling, right? Thinking about what are the cues in your body? What are the sensations or the thoughts that arise? What feels absent? What's not there that cues you into knowing, ah, I feel relaxed right now or I feel comfortable. That's huge. And those aren't necessarily things that you need to be able to articulate or relay to someone right away. But I do think it's an important information for you to know about yourself. It's like a stepping stone to being able to name and wrap words around those experiences. It's valuable information for you to know and to start to attune to within your own body and your own system. And I think that it's one of the elements that restorative yoga can really hone in on and zero in on because of kind of the spaciousness and the room that this style of practice can provide. And I think something else can happen when the body starts to feel comfortable and supported, right? When we sort of tick the box on support just on a physical baseline level. You know, the training that I took with Judith, I remember someone asking about Shavasana. Because Judith laid out Shavasana minimum 20 minutes. And part of why she said that is because on average, physiologically, it takes the average person about 15 minutes to relax. So if they spend 20 minutes in Shavasana, they're really taking 15 minutes to to get to that place of relaxation and then spending five minutes in Shavasana, sort of how she explained it. But what this person was asking her was, you know, how do you get folks to stay in Shavasana for that long? Like I can barely get people to stay in Shavasana for five minutes without fidgeting or getting agitated. And Judith said two things. The first thing was, well, people most of the time can't stay very long in Shavasana because they're not comfortable. They don't have props. They're not situated. They're laying on a hard ground, right? They're not supporting the body. And so it's hard to stay in a place where after a while, you realize you don't really feel comfortable. You're not as supported as you need to be to be in that place for a while, right? The second thing she said is that Shavasana does not agitate people. It reveals the agitation that is already there. Restorative yoga Like most contemplative practices, I think like any practice that kind of leans us towards slowing down, that leans us towards non-doing, can have a way of revealing what's already hanging out beneath the surface and can have a way of revealing our relationship to slowing down. There's a lot of energy and attention that goes into keeping your body going. And being in a state of 
doing, being in a state of, of taking in the stimulation around you and interpreting it and responding to it or reacting to it. And so when we set ourselves up in a restorative yoga posture, we are very literally kind of removing that exertion or turning the volume knob down on the doing, or we can kind of go back to what Judith was saying about lifting the weight off of the nervous system, right? And even simply exploring this, this alleviation of weight, this slowing down, this support on a very literal, tangible level, when the body feels comfortable and supported, all of that attention and energy can sort of start to shift elsewhere. It's like taking up less capacity in your system because the attention and the focus doesn't need to be occupied by keeping the body in motion. The body's like, cool, thumbs up. We're taken care of on a physically comfortable sort of level. And so it can start to become very clear where elsewhere beyond the physical body maybe we're feeling agitated in some of those more subtle places right but in still very real ways how we're feeling mentally or emotionally is not necessarily like a tangible physical thing in the same way that like if your leg is in pain you can see your leg you can touch your leg right but it's still very real how you feel is very real It's something you experience, something that can happen simply just with slowing down in general, is that all that is bubbling underneath the surface kind of starts to rise to the surface as the waters are more still and feel more at the forefront of your experience rather than in the background of it. And so we become more present to our agitation, to the dis-ease that is perhaps there. And again, to our relationship with slowing down and non-doing. And that is, I think, another, I don't know if we want to call it a learning curve, but it, I think it's a reality to any practice that's inviting us to slow down in any way. And... It's also part of the the brilliance and the value of it. Because having that room to digest, to be present with what we're feeling and experiencing in more subtle ways is so incredibly critical and valuable. When we are moving so quickly, and if I think about how much information and stimulation we are surrounded with at all times, having those spaces, those practices, those environments where you can feel safe enough to slow down, to create that sense of support for your body so that you can digest so that your system can physiologically transition into that place of digestion is so critical. And when I think about slowing down or experiencing comfort or support or rest, these are all relational. As you practice on some level, you may be encountering one or many of these questions of of what is your relationship with slowing down? What's your body's relationship with the experience of relaxation today? Or comfort? What is your relationship like with rest today? And do you claim it as your birthright to experience? And again, the relationship that you have with each of these is contextual. It's informed by not only your experiences and relationships, but also the experiences and relationships of the bodies that you came from. The experience of what's going on collectively. 
It's not a relationship or a story that's created in a vacuum. How you feel about rest, your relationship to rest is not something that you just decided. It is informed by your relationship with everything else. And so part of what you can experience with any rest practice, and I'm talking about restorative yoga, obviously, but this can connect to, I think, any intentional rest practice. I think part of what it does, hopefully, is help you to become familiar with the stories that you have around rest. Perhaps that simply begins with you and maybe that curiosity and reflection and exploration extends generationally or culturally. You know, what is your culture's relationship to slowing down? What are the messages that you receive explicitly or implicitly from your family members or the communities that you belong to around rest? What did you learn from your caregivers about slowing down? And I would argue that all of us have some element of our story with rest that needs to be rewritten, that needs to be authored and edited by us, that we have the opportunity to shape differently than what was passed to us and what's passed to us culturally, historically. And this may be kind of like a a bold blanket statement to make, but I really believe that. There is a part of your story with rest and tending to your body that only you can write and offer. And when I say offer, I don't necessarily mean like you've got to go host a workshop or talk about it. You know, your practice informs and shapes how you move through the world. And I think part of what any yoga practice hopefully helps you to do is to make the implicit more explicit, the unconscious a bit more conscious. I don't know if we're always explicitly thinking about our relationship with rest. And so to bring that into a more aware place, to think about that a bit more consciously is important so that you can intentionally move through the world, your relationships, the folks around you a bit differently. And in supporting and honoring your body's need, (laughs) your relationship with rest, with comfort, with slowing down, with ease, you influence and impact other people's ability to do the same thing. And so these rest practices and, and having the embodied experience of them and developing a familiarity, a rekindling with your relationship with rest in different ways to access it and what it feels like in your body. And all that I'm talking about is, is part of rewriting or shaping your story in your relationship with rest. You know, what do you want your body's relationship with rest to be like? What kind of relationship do you want to have with slowing down? What kind of relationship do you want to have with comfort? So, Let's say you've set up your props, you're in the shape, you feel comfy and supported physically, and as you really start to settle into that stillness, you may encounter this third learning curve, which is, okay, now what? Now what do I do? And I don't think that this question or this feeling associated with the now what, which may feel like confusion or or unsettled, or maybe that sort of imprint or residue of alertness is specific to restorative yoga in particular. I think that this experience can be part of any time where you are slowing down. That can be any contemplative practice, the start of any rest practice, 
maybe when you lay down to go to bed at night, where there is more stillness and you are acclimating to that stillness and that slowing down, I think it's a very normal experience to have a little bit, at least a little bit of that like, okay, now what do I do? (laughs) And in that physical stillness, part of what happens is that the other parts of you, the more subtle parts of you, meaning not tangible, so think mentally, emotionally, etc., you may start to notice the pace that those things are really moving at, or you might start to feel kind of like that lingering buzz. You might encounter that now what? Or you wonder, okay, like now what am I supposed to do now that I've slowed down and gotten into this shape or prepared myself for that state of rest to arise. The first thing I'll offer about this is just really, really normalizing it. Understanding that this is part of the practice. And I don't say that lightly because I think that that sometimes the whole this is part of your practice thing can make it sound like we just need to sort of get over whatever it is that we're we're experiencing, um, especially difficult things within the context of a yoga practice or something that feels uncomfortable. And so I'm not saying it in that way. I think to maybe be more specific, I think that it's really unreasonable to expect that there's not going to be an imprint or a residue from all of the doing, from the the state and the pace in which we're usually approaching our day-to-day. Restorative yoga, similar to other styles of practice that center stillness, are practices of non-doing. They are practices of subtraction which in so many ways is the complete opposite, the antithesis of how we operate for the majority of the day and how we're asked sort of to move about our life explicitly or implicitly asked. So this is part of the practice to have this transitional space in which we may notice just how much sort of movement and like hustle and bustle is still going on in our mind and our body and our system. It's very human and normal for it to take time to sort of settle into the settling, right? There can be this residue of rush that's still with us, this residue of of urgency where it's like, all right, I got to hurry up and rest, And that residue of urgency and doing and being in that constant forward motion of taking in and observing so much, I think sometimes we underestimate the impact that has on us. Like the amount of information that we take in on a daily basis and attempt to process or sometimes not and respond to, like particularly now in these current times is massive. The emotional whiplash of a scroll on social media or the news or somebody filling you in about the news is really quite astounding. And I don't, I don't know if we really take into account the magnitude of that. And so I think it can be very unreasonable to have this expectation that that's simply going to disappear as soon as you lay down. And I'll say this, sometimes, shockingly, or at least shockingly for me, sometimes it does. Sometimes I underestimate just how profoundly freeing and easeful it can feel to settle into a restorative yoga posture of how feeling physically supported and comfortable can so quickly kind of bring about a sense of ease 
not just in my body, but but mentally, emotionally, just my overall nervous system. When my body doesn't have to hold itself up, when it feels the comfort of the blanket, the pillows, sometimes I underestimate how how much my my body maybe is like starving for that and is so ready so ready to receive it that I feel that quietness permeate quite quickly and so there may be times where if you practice restorative yoga where you experience that transition into that stillness without encountering the now what. And I do think that that in part comes from practice. I think sometimes that now what can come about when when practices, when stillness, when starting to center that feels newer for us. That said, (laughs) there are going to be other times where you may have that period of time where you notice like all the things in your head just like swimming around. All of the, the things sort of swimming around for you emotionally, the information that has yet to be processed. And I don't necessarily think that when we lie down or when we settle into that restorative yoga posture, it, it speeds everything up. Again, I think in that practice of subtraction, right, we're alleviating the weight or the load physically by supporting ourselves physically, that when we start to subtract things, other things get pushed to the forefront. It's revealing, it's pulling back the curtain on just how much is going on beneath the surface, right? And so with that said, the second thing that I think is is important to, to keep in mind, in addition to understanding that this is part of the practice, is that even though it's part of the practice, it is important to go at the pace that your body and your system will allow. Meaning, I think that frequency is more important than duration. So sometimes just because you think that you're going to settle into a restorative yoga posture for 20 minutes doesn't necessarily mean that your body, your system, all the parts of you are going to be on board for that. Sometimes the same way that we may be kind of moving at that steady pace through the day, or where we may have a bit of urgency, a bit of rush, sometimes we can bring that into our practice. Again, that doesn't just go away just because you are on a yoga mat. Sometimes it's like, okay, let's hurry up and rest now. And we can have some sort of ideal in mind about how that's going to go, how it's supposed to be of how long we're supposed to practice, how we're supposed to be in a posture, what we're supposed to feel, which is not always in alignment with how our body feels that way. Sometimes what we have in mind can be an unreasonable ask, right? Sometimes we're trying to move faster than the pace that the body and the nervous system will allow. And so it's so important to to really recognize this is not a practice of force. You're not trying to white knuckle your way into that state of rest arising. And so it's better to spend five minutes in a restorative yoga posture than that shape soaking it in than to force yourself to stay for 20 minutes or 25 minutes just because you think that's what you're supposed to do. And I think that deciding that requires discernment. It requires discerning the difference between that very normal, understandable initial transition, right? The first few minutes of a posture where... There's an adjustment in slowing down. 
and understanding the difference between that and when it may simply be a day where perhaps you need less time in the posture, where if you stay longer, you're forcing yourself. I've experienced many practices like that where I set my timer for 20 minutes, I set up my pose, when I felt something that wasn't totally supported after a couple minutes, I adjusted, I did all the things and I just couldn't seem to settle. And if I would have stayed longer, I would have felt more agitated than if I had just allowed myself, okay, it's going to be maybe a couple minutes today. (laughs) Right? Understanding, okay, maybe that's not necessarily what I need in terms of in terms of length and time. It's different than what I originally planned. And could I have forced myself to stay there and say, well, this is simply part of my practice to just move through this feeling? Sure. But honestly, at this point, I understand the difference and I notice the days where there's maybe that inclination to stay, even though I know it's, it's maybe not necessarily what I need. And so I really think that, that the practice part of what starting to center rest or prioritizing rest, the more that you practice the more that you begin to fortify that sense of discernment within you, the more that you begin to adapt your practice according to what it is you actually need, not what you think you're supposed to need. Because I think part of what happens I think about restorative yoga and the stillness and the spaciousness and the support and the quieting, part of what starts to happen in that is you begin to notice a lot about yourself. You are listening and giving yourself the opportunity to listen and really attune to your inner landscape, to what is going on inside of you which is something that can get very drowned out by everything that is going on around us. Practices like restorative yoga support a continued listening. Just like all of the the busyness, the doing, the urgency can sort of leave behind an imprint so too can rest. So too can a restorative yoga practice leave behind a residue so that even as you find your way out of the shape, whether you spent five minutes there or 20 minutes there, it accompanies you. And If you spend five minutes there, even if it's solely that, those practices, that repetition adds up. Those experiences add up. They do support and help fortify your capacity for slowing down, for stillness, for navigating through that busyness, that noisiness that transitional space from the outside world to the inside world. It can become easier to navigate. or Perhaps it helps you to develop a different perspective about it. That that okay now whatness can sometimes be those lingering after effects And that normal transitional space from everything that you've just come from in your day, in your week, in your month, what have you, to moving into that slowing down place. And that takes time. 
that shift in perspective takes time. Not just like the 15 minutes that it can take on average to physiologically relax, but time in the sense of repetition and revisiting. Repetition and revisiting those places, those practices, whether it's restorative yoga or something else, where you can feel that sense of settling in your system. Where you can feel that sense of support, whatever those conditions for relaxation are for you, so that that state of rest can arise. We have to allow that time, that transition that it can take for the nervous system, for the body, for the more subtle parts of us to settle, for us to really drop in. And sometimes you're going to have days where you set up all your props, you get everything situated, you're snuggled, you're in the restorative pose. Or maybe it's, it's in a practice where, or a style of practice, an approach to asana where, where there's more movement. And you may have a really hard time being present and, and dropping in. And it's not about force in those moments. I think in many ways it's about observation. Maybe shavasana only ends up being five minutes three minutes instead of seven, instead of 20. And there's nothing wrong with that. You have to go at the pace that your system will allow. And you have to allow time and repetition or practice to to do what it's going to do, to really start to wear down that, that groove And that's a difference in approach. That's a shift in approach, I think, for a lot of us. That honoring what your body is communicating. I think that it's one of the many ways in which, in restorative yoga, we're being asked to approach the body, asked to approach these postures in a different way. Where it's not about force. It's not about have-tos. It's not about supposed-tos. You're honoring what your body is communicating to help expand your practice. And it may change what you think of as practice. Practice is about relationship. And just like any other relationship, it can take time. There are things that I discover in my practice after over a decade of yoga that are new, that are different. Some things are the same. It shifts over time. And I think it's really important to recognize that it's not about force. When I think about restorative yoga, rest in general, when you force it, When you're trying to rush it because you think it's what you're supposed to do, because you think it's supposed to feel like rest and it's supposed to feel relaxing and it's only going to feel this way if I do it for this length of time. When we force, it can kind of reinforce a sense of resistance. And I don't think that we need any more resistance (laughs) to rest. I think that something that can be misunderstood about a yoga practice is that it is supposed to be the same or that we're supposed to experience the same thing every single time. Otherwise, we're not practicing. And that sameness can come in the form of the postures we explore or the feelings that we have when we're on the mat, the state that we go into when we're on the mat. Even if we're exploring the same shape every single time, in the same order, in the same place, and all that remains the same, the person that you bring to the mat changes. 
the needs that you have shift and change. You bring a different set of experiences every time you come to the mat. What's going on in your body, what's going on in in the collective, in our culture, any given day, any given moment is shifting and changing. And so it's not about having the same exact experience every single time. That's not the consistency of it. The consistency part is devoting time to practice, devoting time to revisiting whatever those rest practices are for you, and maybe allowing that to shift over time. With restorative yoga, with any style of practice, it's not necessarily about the duration of the practice. Again, are there certain reasons why one may encourage 15 minutes or 20 minutes in Shavasana because of the length that it can take to actually make that transition into relaxing? Sure. But that may not be what what it is for you every single time. And again, that consistency is about the revisiting, not necessarily in the duration of the practice or in it feeling the same exact way every single time or approaching it the same exact way every single time. You know, when I think about the period of time in my life that I really started learning about restorative yoga and centering it in in the way that I practice. It was during a time where I was taking classes and exploring styles that were more active and they weren't really of service to me. And I could still do them. And I still went to classes But it wasn't feeling very nourishing or resonant with what my body was requesting. But I didn't really know what other options were. Because that was how I had approached asana for the majority of my experience as as a student on the mat. And it was a period of time in which my body and all parts of me (laughs) were really just asking for less. And I think that one of the things that folks experience and that certainly that I experienced when I first began practicing restorative yoga is just feeling struck by how much less I was doing and how much less I was being asked to do. And I was absolutely shocked at in that first training, how different two hours of practice felt, how different an hour and a half of practice felt. And so I really think that if you haven't experienced restorative yoga, particularly for those of you who practice yoga, it can really expand your idea of practice. And it's part of why I, I really wanted to devote time this season to talking about restorative yoga and hopefully clarifying some things about it or, or maybe for some of you introducing a, a style of practice that you haven't heard of because we can think of practice as one thing. We are often presented with a lot of similar approaches to yoga postures or asanas or we are presented with a lot of similar types of, of classes. So much so that, that we can really begin to narrow what it means to practice and what it doesn't mean to practice in a way that doesn't necessarily create space for or serve the things that we may need. There's so many different ways to approach yoga postures. And so it's not about 
doing it the same way every single time. It's not about even adhering to the same style of practice for for the entirety of your experience as, as a yoga student. Because the way that you meet your needs changes over time. Just as I've said all season, you will always need rest in some way, shape, or form. But the way that you meet that need, depending on the season of life that you're in, changes. And one's yoga practice needs to allow space for that change. The consistency is not necessarily in how you practice yoga or how you rest. It is in prioritizing, honoring, and fulfilling your need for rest consistently. And so... In summary of this third learning curve, it is important to understand that if and when you encounter, okay, now what do I do? That one, it's normal. There is a transition that has to take place from the doing, the rushing, the urgency, all the stuff, all the things from that outside world to a more inner world, and to maybe notice the residue that all that stuff leaves behind. And two, it is important to discern whether or not that, okay, now what do I do? And that sort of, that residue is the type of now what that's like, maybe I've just got five minutes for this pose today. Maybe I settle into this restorative shape for five minutes, and that's what it is today, and that's okay. Or if it's the kind of now what that's simply the residue that you've got to allow time to pass. The type of now what that will pass as you start to let that support permeate other parts of you, allowing time for the support of the props, the comfort to actually really get in and letting your system catch up to it in a way, to catch up to that feeling of support, that feeling of non-doing and simply getting to be, not having to hold yourself up that sensation of physically feeling held and supported by the items beneath you. That can take time. Sometimes you are physically on the mat, as in that's where your body is physically at, but there are other parts of you that are still elsewhere. And it can take time for all those parts of you to start to come into one place. Right? You may be physically set up and supported in the restorative yoga posture, but you're still thinking about the text that you need to respond to you to respond to. Your mind is still at work in a conversation that you had with a coworker that could have gone differently. You're thinking about the groceries that you need to pick up after class or the grief that you're processing from years ago. The process of bringing every part of you into the same place and shifting into that place of being and not doing takes time. It's a transition. Shifting into that more kind of observational space and slowing things down takes practice. And I guess a huge part of what I'm trying to say is how could it not How could that not take practice? There is so much pulling at our attention all the time, vying for our attention. How unreasonable to think that we just unhook from that as soon as we settle into a position of rest. To think that we just with the snap of our fingers, with the arrangement of a pillow, transition from that mode. 
it is normal to struggle with that transition and for it to feel different. Maybe each time we come to practice, as we practice over time. And so the last thing I'll say about this is as you settle into that restorative yoga posture, as you settle into that state of moving towards relaxation and stillness, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're fully shutting the outside world out. It may mean as you begin to settle, as Judith Lassiter says, that you find that you don't dance away with the sound. You don't dance away with what your senses notice about the world around you, where perhaps once you settle into that restorative yoga posture and you've been there for a little while, yes, you still notice the sound of the cars maybe driving by or someone mowing their lawn or the sound of, if you're in a classroom setting, the sound of someone's breath nearby, someone talking in the distance. But your mind, your attention, doesn't dance away with it. You're still in the same place, observing the thoughts, the feelings, like clouds in the sky travel by. And maybe you're noticing when those things that your senses pick up on, maybe when they reach for your attention. Or maybe you notice when they don't as much. Things become a bit quieter. Or as another one of my teachers phrases it, your senses begin to draw in closer to you. And in yoga, this is the practice of pratyahara, which can be translated into sense withdrawal, withdrawing of the senses. Restorative yoga, that state of rest arising, these are practices of withdrawing the senses or quieting the senses, drawing them in closer to you. And so sometimes that now what? is simply a normal transition of allowing the process of allowing those kind of metaphorical waters to start to settle and giving time for that water to settle. It's not unusual maybe for it to feel a little bit uncomfortable or for there to be days where the water settling doesn't really feel very accessible or maybe doesn't feel accessible through the practice of restorative yoga. And so my encouragement is that you explore it to the degree that it feels accessible for you and that you remember that it is about repetition and not duration. And if any part of restorative yoga feels like a resonant entry point to rest, then I encourage you to follow that curiosity and to continue to revisit it. And maybe you find that over time or on certain days, it's like, ah, I can settle into a bit more stillness, a bit more space, a bit more time in this shape. Maybe you notice yourself not dancing away with sound. Maybe there are certain days in your restorative yoga practice where you notice that you you need a little bit more time even than you thought to feel held and supported, to settle in, to allow time for every part of yourself to continue to come into the same place, to commune in the same physical location as your body. And in that revisiting, part of what you nurture is this truth that it is okay to slow down, that it is okay to settle in and to receive a sense of support. 
yoga practices, I think, are in part about traveling from the most gross, right, the most tangible to the most subtle, right? We start in restorative yoga by setting up the props, setting up the cozy items, making sure that the body doesn't have to hold itself up, doesn't have to stretch beyond its capacity, right? The most tangible, the most gross. And in that, it allows space for us to travel a bit deeper, for us to go beyond the physical body into the parts of us that are more subtle. And in doing so, in dropping into that listening place, the parts of us that maybe were kind of operating in a way under the surface, beneath the noise, the things that were more unconscious, become more conscious. Where we really begin to dig into our relationship with support, our relationship with slowing down, our relationship with rest, with comfort, which has a way of traveling far beyond any posture you might find yourself in. In cultures that are so deeply steeped in urgency, devoting your time and attention to rest and to rest practices can feel like rebellion or can feel impossible it is sidestepping the status quo it is listening to your body and honoring the needs of your body and challenging the idea that we always need to be doing producing consuming on top of things keeping up the pace keeping it together I don't know anybody who's together right now. As composed and articulate as I may be in this moment, I am not together. And I think it can also be really tempting in an effort to stay informed, to constantly be consuming in such a way that we don't even necessarily realize the effect that that's having. Or maybe we do. Maybe we do realize that it's, it's not having the greatest effect, that maybe it's starting to feel disengaging or really inflammatory in a way that makes us feel helpless. But we don't know what to do. And it can feel almost counterintuitive to in those moments prioritize rest and recharge. But it's absolutely essential. Your pace is allowed to change. Your approach is allowed to change. And I think restorative yoga, like rest in general, is it's ultimately something that you have to experience it's like describing a meal versus eating it. You know, I was reading part of an interview with Trisha Hersey, Bishop of the Nat Ministry, the other day, and she was talking about how easy it is to get wrapped up in the theoretical when it comes to rest. So much so that we never actually get to the whole resting part of things. Like how we can spend a whole bunch of time reading endless articles and self-help books and taking workshops and doing all, all the things, talking about all the things all the time that we are never actually offering ourselves the space to digest it. And so with this, this episode with talking about restorative yoga and, and really this entire season is, is encased in this big reminder that as wonderful as it is to listen 
and to learn about and receive encouragement and context about rest and rest practices, you also actually have to experience it. You have to prioritize it to the degree that you have capacity to. It doesn't need to be in complete and utter alignment with your ideal version of rest to count, to be resting. And I think about that too within the context of of restorative yoga. It can be easy to come to restorative yoga just like it can be easy to come to meditation and have this sort of image in your mind of what it's supposed to feel like, what it's supposed to look like, what you're supposed to experience when you're doing it. And I often remind folks that even if you simply move a bit closer towards rest, move in the direction of relaxation and ease, that's enough. You're not going to have the experience every single time you come to your mat, every single time you set yourself up in this Koji Shavasana where it feels like you are basking in the greatest relaxation you've ever experienced. Sometimes it's that, which is wonderful. And sometimes that space is a place where maybe you realize that there are some other things that are hanging out that need to be processed, that need to be visited and digested. And that is part of it too. But you actually have to experience it. You actually have to dive into your relationship with rest. You have to, as Trisha so frequently says, go lay down. You've got to experience rest. And restorative yoga is one of the many practices that can help facilitate deep rest. It's not the only one, which is the one I've decided to devote some episodes to. And so I share this practice because obviously it's a style that I myself have connected with, but the common denominator across everything that I'm talking about is how do you connect with rest? What are the practices, the environments, the relationships, and the like that help facilitate rest in the ways that you need Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. And if you've been with me for all three parts of the exploration of restorative yoga, then I hope you've learned something. I hope it sparked some curiosity and maybe provided some some clarity, some new information about how you can explore yoga practices and yoga postures. As always, you can take a look at the show notes to find anyone or any resources mentioned during today's episode. The Protect Your Beast podcast is hosted, edited, and produced by yours truly, Najee Robbins, and the theme music is by Somatics. If you would like to explore some guided restorative yoga practices, then head to the link in the show notes to sign up for my newsletter. This is where you can access these on-demand practices as well as get a heads up on my monthly teaching schedule, workshops, curated playlists, really anything that I'm putting out into the world. And if you're looking to further support my work, here are three simple ways to do so. Number one, subscribe to the podcast. If you'd like to stay in the loop about future episodes, this is the best way. You can also leave a rating and review as well. This really does help. Number two, if you have the monetary resources to support financially, then you can head to protectyourpeace.yoga backslash support to leave me a tip via Venmo or Cash App or PayPal. And last but certainly not least, if there was something about today's episode that you connected with, share it with a friend via link or conversation. Ask people about restorative yoga, go to classes together, check in about how your experience was after. 
This sharing piece is probably one of the best ways to support this podcast and my work in general. Share it with the people in your life who you think would benefit from it or enjoy it. And then you can always tell me about your conversations or discoveries, any questions that come up. This podcast is really a collaborative effort with you all. And so you can always send me a message, an email, a voice note with anything that you'd like to share. Between now and next episode, I am sending you so much encouragement and support to be gentle with yourself and to be really thoughtful about what you fill your day with. There is so much going on, as always, and we're not really meant to take in everything all the time. Give yourself that spaciousness that you need to digest and to be kind with your body, with your brain, with your overall system and the people around you. As always, I thank you so very much for being here and supporting the podcast. I'll see you back here soon.